Welcome to the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers. We've got Michael Banks joining us tonight from up in Birmingham, Alabama, as we kind of conclude our little summer break. We're kind of went from episodes every week to every couple of weeks. And as we get as the football season approaches, we'll be back on the weekly schedule of releasing a uh, new episode each week. But uh, welcome back to the podcast, Mike. Thanks for having me back, man. It's been a while. Uh, yeah, school started back today for my for my third grader now. So third summer, grader. Yeah, the summer is officially over. Yeah, third the summer, grade. The summer of Caitlin going into the third grade. Where, where's <laughs> she going to uh, Rocky Ridge Elementary? No, she is at. Uh, she's moved on to the Brock's Gap area. <laughs> Rezoning oh, issues in the Hoover. The Hoover area has caused. Uh, I forgot, cause, yeah, because I was right down the street from me, and we uh, Deer Valley Elementary was right, right, about a quarter mile from my house. Yeah, yeah no, she uh, she was at South Shades Crest, and now she's moving over to Brock's Gap. So, uh, yep. yeah, but yeah, today was the first day back, so all the traffic in Hoover and and 150 and South Shades Crest was back in full force this morning, and making my life miserable so yeah school starts school starts here monday for everybody here my uh, my sister went back uh, last friday she's a teacher so she had to be back last friday but the kids go back this coming up monday so the 12th so uh it's some any other any other big summer doings for you not really man just uh enjoying enjoying the braves except for tonight after uh shellacking by the marlins but uh just watching Watching the Braves and enjoying them uh, looking good and uh, actually making some moves at the deadline. So hopefully that, yep. that can. Yeah, we're going to get it. We're, we're going to get into that a little bit later in the episode tonight. Uh, well, before we get into the topics tonight, I ha- I've had a uh, interesting last uh, month and a half or so. I got relieved of my duties and I'm now a free agent in the in the professional world. <laughs> keys, keys, please. <laughs> yes. Uh, got, my sales job got pretty much whacked in late June, so I've uh, been looking for a new job here in the month of July and 1st of August. I got a couple things kind of in the cooker here for the next, hopefully the next week or so I get uh, some good news. We'll see. Um, I had a, in the last week or so, I, I've had a kind of a lingering knee issue for the last three or four months. I, uh, late June, I had a cortisone shot in my left knee and then I've been having some, some issues and, and of course of all times when, when, when you don't have any, when you're not, don't have any insurance, of course, the, uh, the injury, uh, comes to fruition and it's the last Wednesday or so about a week ago, I tweaked my knee as I was lightly jogging on the treadmill, uh, preparing, <laughs> you know, trying to get a little physical activity, getting ready to, for the high school football season. So. I tweaked my knee, went to, went to, uh, and by the way, the, uh, our healthcare system is a disaster, by the way. I, I hate to say it. I'm more and more getting to the sense of, I would almost like to see us have some national healthcare because it's for our healthcare system is, a, is, is somewhat of a joke. And, <laughs> yeah. So had to go to the, had to go get x-rays, had to go get, had to go, uh, I already had x-rays a month ago, but of course I had to get more x-rays. Um, had to go get an, I went and got an MRI last Friday and the diagnosis is in that I've got a, uh, medial meniscus tear. So I'm, uh, trying to figure out some surgical options and uh, you would think a surgery like that, that's 
arthroscopic and fairly minor in the scope of things would be fairly reasonable, but price-wise, but it's ridiculously expensive. So I'm uh, working when through my working through my options. <laughs> when it rains, it pours. Man, but uh, so that's been my lovely last about 40, 45 days or so. So I've been uh, it's been a wonderful last forty-five days for me. But uh, looking forward to a. Uh, Entertaining football seasons. We've started the preseason training camps are in full, full, uh, full go. Preseason games started last week with last or last week with the Hall of Fame game, and all the teams are starting their preseason activities this weekend. So we're going to talk a little preseason football. We're going to talk some quarterback battles. We're going to talk some players on the hot seat. We're going to talk some uh, NFL justice with our our buddy the, the commish, Big Raj. How we handled a couple things this summer. Uh, we're going to talk about some holdouts. There's some interesting. We got a, a couple interesting holdouts in uh, Dallas and Los Angeles with one Melvin Gordon. And then we're going to also talk a little some MLB pennant races. We had the trade deadline was about a week ago. Your Braves made a couple big moves in the bullpen. We'll see. Uh, we'll talk about that and a couple other moves that will how they'll dictate the race and kind of we'll give some predictions on what we think are going to make who, who we think is going to make the playoffs. And then lastly, we'll talk a little college football chatter. Uh, most, most all division one teams are not most, all of them are, are practicing now. Um, most teams start playing August 31st. There's a couple games on the 24th. There's a big rivalry down here, Florida and Miami play on the 24th. So, so we're about two weeks away from that, but most everybody else starts, three weeks from Saturday on the 31st. So uh, your opening thoughts about NFL training camps, preseason action. Are you, are you riveted to the NFL network to see your boy uh, Patricia and the lions? <laughs> well, the uh, preseason was not a good start for the lions tonight. Uh, I don't know if you saw the news. Jermaine curse broke, broke his leg out for the season already. First preseason game. So, uh, the Lions are not are not benefiting from the early preseason action so far, uh, and that was that's a big loss. I mean, I think that that guy was going to give Stafford, you know, a, a security blanket type guy that could possibly be a you know replace Golden Tate as far as a guy he could go to. And um, you know, anytime you lose a starter uh, in the preseason, it's bad. But especially when you lose them for the whole year. Uh, no, yeah. So I, I actually was before we started. I flipped through. They were the Detroit was getting smashed by the Patriots, but I did see the injury. Um, so I saw uh, I saw in the Jet the Jets Giants game tonight. And him thinking he's going to be garbage, and he came out firing first drive, five for five down the field, scored a touchdown on his first drive in the NFL. So good for him. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to it's hard to get a gauge with preseason stuff for me. I, I always have a trouble with it. You know, you really have to look at the guy. That you have to look at the players like what they're doing as far as footwork and mechanics and things like that because the stats can be very misleading. But you know, taking the bull by the horns like that, you know, is obviously a good thing and and not not having some nerves. So, um, be interesting to see if if he could be the real deal or not. Yep, he, uh, you know, to me, the the, 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 the the one kind of, the one part of preseason that you can't take a little seriously is that usually that third game, that first half of the third game where the starters play against each other. Right. And they typically play, a, a, most of them will play a half in that, in that third game. So that's kind of the one game you can 
have a little bit of gauge of how, what, what you think a team's executing wise as far as, you know, especially teams with new coaches and new, new coordinators, what the scheme's looking like and how they're, you know, how they're, how they're taking to the new, to the new scheme, to a new system, you know, down here in Tampa, obviously we have Bruce Arians, new offensive system, Todd Bowles running the defense. It's the first, this is probably the first time in my, in my recollection we've ever run a four, a three, four defense down here. We've always been a three-four team. They're they're transitioning to the to the uh, three-four. You know, obviously there's lots of some variations in personnel and what things they like and they don't like as far as three-four versus three-four-three. Um, so you just, those kind of things are things that you kind of take a look at, especially with teams with new coaches and new staffs. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, there's so many new coaches and, and new staffs going around. Right now, uh, I think we had seven or eight head coaching replacements. Was that right uh, last year? That's, the, that sounds about right. At the end of last year, which is you know almost a third of the league, so uh, definitely a lot of a lot of stuff to uh, to look for. I'm I'm really excited to see what Kingsbury brings in Arizona, um, and and you know see if Kyler Murray is for real or not in, in the NFL. Uh, he gave up a he gave up a bunch. Uh, a bunch of money to to play in the NFL, so uh, let's you know he's got that moniker too short, but you know that hasn't hurt guys in the past like the Drew Brees and the Russell Wilson. So this is the, he's going to be he's going to be the experiment. He's going to be the central figure of whether the NFL goes to that style of play. Because if he's yep. successful at that height and Kingsbury successful with that type of offense you will see a major shift in how these personnel guys and these general managers draft quarterbacks. The, I yep. mean, if, if Murray is successful, you're going to, you, you're not going to see the lumbering six foot four inch pocket kind of passer. You're going to see a lot more versions of, of Kyler Murray, the Deshaun Watsons of the world, those kind of guys that are, that are ultra mobile and can undersize that, that you know, if, if, if this successful, if, if this project turns out to be a, a success. You know what? It, it you're you're exactly right. Just to just to hit on that point, how Kyler Murray plays this year could have a huge impact in the draft next year, because right now you know the quarterback race is is uh, uh, Justin Herbert and Jake Fromm, Tua, but all those guys are pocket passers. I mean, those guys are drop back pocket passers. Tua can run a little bit, but obviously he's not as mobile as as a Kyler Murray. But I, you, that could really that could really shape a lot in the in the in, in the draft next year. So I, I completely agree with you. I think I think that that he could be he could be the the lightning rod that that either turns it or where those guys say you know if he's not successful they back off that kind of that kind of player and say let's, yep. let's stick with the uh, let's stick with the guys that can throw the ball you know a la Tom Brady. Right. I mean, like I said, there's going to be a. I mean, teams will always still take the the Trevor Lawrence kind of guys, the Andrew Luck kind of guy prospects. Right. But again, there'll be a lot more guys in play if if Kyler Murray turns out to be a player, and with that style of offense and that physical build, there'll be a lot more guys in the college game that'll be that that will be much more appealing to the NFL to these NFL GMs and head coaches. Yeah, completely agree. All right, so let's talk about this. To me, there, to me, there's only two teams that really have a true quarterback battle. Heading into the preseason, you got the Redskins with Keenum, Colt McCoy, and and possibly Dwayne Haskins, um, and then you have Miami with Fitzpatrick, the 
my man Fitzmagic, excuse me, Fitzmagic, not Fitzpatrick, <laughs> and uh, Josh Rosen, who was kind of the reclamation prod, not reclamation, but he was kind of discarded during all the with all the Kyler Murray stuff in Arizona. He was the odd man out there, and Miami scooped him up for a second round draft pick. And so, to me, those are only, the only two quarterback situations that are truly up for grabs in training camp. Now, there, there'll probably be some other situations throughout the year that will probably develop when you, you might have, you know, Daniel Jones in New York Eli. at some point will, will probably play with for Eli. Yeah. You'll probably, you may have a situation in Cincinnati where Andy Dalton maybe gets sat down at some point. Um, you know, you also, Denver might be a situation to, to be aware of if they don't get off to a good start. Um, so those are three situations that could, that could develop during the year. But as far as training camp, Again, you got Washington and you got Miami. You know, Washington, you got Jay Gruden, who's more on the hot, much more on the hot seat than than the guy in Miami because he's a first year coach. Um, so, what are your thoughts about you know Washington? You got Keenum, you got uh, McCoy, and then you have obviously the number six, the, the the first round pick Haskins, who, by the way, threw two interceptions in his first preseason game, one taken back for a touchdown. Yeah, I'm not. You know, I'm, I'm not. I'm, not real big on Haskins. I, I I just haven't been. I know that the talent is probably is there, but uh, I, I think that that Gruden's going to go, you know, with Keenum or, or McCoy, um, and I probably see him leaning towards Keenum. Um, that's my guess. <clears throat> Obviously, the preseason's got a few more games left, and we have almost another whole month of uh, of training camp, so anything could happen. Um, and I think that I think that with Haskins sitting there. I think you start just like you do most most everybody does. You know, you start with the veteran and then, you know, you see what he can do. And and if you can't win some games, then you bring the rookie in. But, you you know, throw Haskins in there week one, I think, would be asking a lot. I don't think he's week one ready. I don't – I think if he yeah, was yeah. week one ready, he wouldn't have fallen to 15, you know. I think that that showed that right. he was not week one ready right there. So um, – and <clears throat> so as, and th- as far as Miami goes, uh, you know, Fitzpatrick has proven if he's on a hot streak, just like for your Bucks last year, what what did he start four and zero or something like that? I mean, two and two one, and two, two and one. one, two and one. But he threw. But yeah, two and zero. They start. They did start off two and zero, but he played. He played pretty well. He played great that that first game in New Orleans. He threw you know what yep. like four or five touchdowns and yep. slinging it all over the place. So he has that ability, but he has the he never you know he can never stay. But if you're, but if you're, if you're Miami though, you're in a full rebuild in Miami. I think you'd be doing every the whole operation a disservice unless Josh Rosen is just that far behind, which I can't imagine he's that far behind Fitzpatrick. No, you're, I think you're doing the organization a disservice if you don't put him out there majority of this season to see what he can do, whether he can do it or not. I agree. I, I you know, the Arizona have really. I thought Arizona should have put him in a lot earlier last year. Now, granted, I I don't think you can blame all of that last year in Arizona on Josh. Oh Rosen. no! Oh I no! Mean, no no! That line was atrocious. The 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 team was just bad. I mean, it was just a bad team. The play calling was horrendous. Um, as a David Johnson owner, I can attest to that. But um, but <laughs> I agree with you. I think Rosen is is got the he's he's what second year. Let him yep. let him get in there. Let him build some rapport with these running backs and receivers, and and let him try to make this his team. Because 
you know, if his, if if you if you want to find out what you have, you need to see how he can play a full year, because you're more than likely if he is that bad and you don't have a quarterback, you might be picking first next year, and then you are going to be picking a Tua or a Jake Fromm or somebody like that. So you need to know. And and, and, and remember. <clears throat> And remember, everybody thought he might have been the best quarterback in the draft last year. Right. Lots of people thought he was the he was he was really you know he uh, he was the he was the best guy potentially, smart guy. I mean, you know, he got a little he got a little dinged up for his uh, leadership skills, but physically, a lot of people thought he was going to be the best player. And so, to me, you 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 play him this year to see what he can do. He might be a steal for a second round draft pick. You might have find you might found your quarterback for the next ten years. Right. And, and, and a guy that was picked 10 overall, you get him for a second round pick. And then next year, when you do have to draft high, uh, which, you know, my, let's not kid ourselves. Miami's going to be drafted in the top 10 next year. I mean, yep. it, it's going to happen. You could use it on somebody else, an offensive lineman. You can That's go right. A, you That's go right. Defensive lineman. There's so much, there's going to be talent out there. So they definitely need to know what they get. You know, I know most of the rumors coming out of, uh, out of early camp before, uh, you know, OTAs and things like that was that he had no shot that Fitzpatrick was, was going to be, you know, kind of the, the guy that was going to have to be uh, overtaken. I, I think, I think you'll see Rosen at the absolute latest. If he doesn't win the job in training camp, which it wouldn't shock me if he still wins the job, but by, I think by week four at the absolute latest, you will see Rosen in there. Yeah. Unless yeah. the Dolphins are three and one, you know, right. which yeah. I doubt they're going to be because they, they, again, they're in a full rebuild. You know they they are not projected to win, be winning more than four or five games for this year, and in on all on all facets of, of prognostication. So and that division uh, and that division is is a no win division as long as Tom Brady puts on football pads and 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 a helmet. And not to mention the Jets are a lot better this year. Yep, so. and Buffalo Buffalo is supposed to be better in that division yeah. too. So yeah, yeah. I mean, so. I think I think I think they're going to take their lumps this year. And again, I. Again, if they're smart, if they can, if, if if Rosen can do it, at least show some signs that he can do it. Because again, as much as we think Tua and Fromm and Herbert were the guys next year, you know, each of them have their own flaws, each of them have their own things. That doesn't make them, uh, you know, absolute number one overall picks, especially relative to Trevor Lawrence, who everybody thinks is going to be the guy in two years. Right. Yeah. But so yeah, I agree with you, man. Let 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 him. Let him let's see what you got. I mean, that's what you went out and get, gave up a second round pick for. So, Rosen, why are you going to let him sit? It's not like he, it's not one of these situations where you're going to hurt his confidence. His confidence is at all time low as it is right. after last year and yep. then getting traded for another number one quarterback or, right. you know, basically you know, uh, usurp for another number one quarterback. So, his confidence isn't going any lower than it is. You put him in there and he throws five interceptions. He's not. And this kind of guy, this guy doesn't seem like the kind of guy to me that's going to take that kind of stuff and live with it. I think he's the kind of guy that, from you know all the reports that you see about him, like you said, he's a really smart guy. He he kind of goes to the beat of his own drum, kind of like a Trevor Bauer kind of guy. Yep. So, uh, I, yeah. So yeah, I don't. I, I think that I think you you got to put him in. And I agree with you. Week four at the latest, unless by some miracle the Dolphins have won three games at that point, which like you said, it's not happening. All right, so let's 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 move to players on the hot seat. I got a list of four or five guys that I think are kind of really going to be on the hot seat this year. Um, you know, 
whether it's contractual situation, whether it's just time of their career, whatever. I, th- I think you're going to have you got three or four guys that are really uh, – four or five guys that are really on the hot seat. One, I think the guy with the most heat on him is going to be Carson Wentz. Yeah. yeah. Can he st- one, can he stay healthy is number one because obviously he's shown when he's been healthy he's been pretty good. And two, he doesn't have that – he doesn't have the shadow of Nick Foles over his shoulder to kind of – bail out the Eagles anymore if, if, if he doesn't stay healthy. He just signed a huge contract in the offseason. Philly's committed to him. He's the guy. A lot of pressure on Nick uh, one uh, Carson Wentz up in Philadelphia. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, uh, you know, he's always going to have that moniker on him of basically – I mean, let's let's not kid ourselves. That guy's on the on his way to an MVP if he doesn't get hurt two years ago. And not only do they not miss a beat, but they end up winning the Super Bowl for the first time in, in franchise history in a city that's starved for a Super Bowl and with a backup quarterback. So right. he's got to live with that until he can win one for himself. And that's a that's a lot to, you know, that's a lot on a young guy, um, especially with the way he was playing before he got hurt. Yeah, uh, he was not he was not himself at the beginning of last year. He really he 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 kind of picked it up a little bit toward towards the end, but then gets hurt again. Yeah, I mean, and, and there's and there's no there's no there's no excuses with talent. They they, they acquired reacquired Deshaun Jackson. Yep. You got Zach Ertz at tight end. You got Alshon Jeffrey. You got Aguilar. You got drafted, a good running good running game. Yeah, drafted Miles Sanders. Yep, and you got a good offensive line and a and a good play caller in Doug Peterson. So there's should be no excuses as far as from a from a offensive system or talent perspective. So obviously and he, and he just signed a huge contract. So not that he's going anywhere if he doesn't have a good year, but there'll be a lot of skepticism if he doesn't have a good year of, Oh, can this guy, can, can he really do it? And, and, and two confidence wise, can he recover from his injuries? Right. All right. Next guy, I'm going to pair these two guys together because they're kind of attached at the hip a little bit. Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota. <laughs> both of them, both of them in the fifth year option of their contract. Neither of them got extended. Both of them have had up and down careers for various reasons. You know, Winston with more of the turnover situations. He's had he's put up some good offensive numbers, yards, touchdowns, but he's just been a he's been an apple or cherry quarterback, Mr. Turnover left and right, and off field um, issues, and off-field. and obviously and obviously he's had his off field uh, skirmish issues and. Um, all that stuff. There's always been that, you know, the skepticism from the Tampa Bay community, especially about can we trust him? Can the organization trust him? Um, they, and as far as Mariota goes, has he really ever been surrounded by great offensive talent, a great offensive system? Um, has he, you know, last year Derrick Henry emerged running from a running game perspective, but you know, Chris Davis has not really ever emerged. Delaney Walker has been in and out of the lineup injury wise. He's never really had that big-time go-to receiver. The offensive system has been pretty vanilla for the most part from, from most indications. So the question is, can he do it? And are, they, are, they, are, they, are they trying to cover up his weaknesses, or, or, does, he, or, or he, does he just not have enough talent around him? And can he stay healthy? That's, a, that's another thing with Mariota is he hadn't been able to stay on the field. Um, you know, he had the, the arm issue, the elbow issue. and Right. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I I agree. I think both of those guys, obviously, I mean, they're in their fifth year, so 
if if they want to play for the same team next year, they got to lead them to the playoffs. Um, that's pretty, in my opinion. I mean, unless you just unless they just flat out come out balling, and yet you know the team around them, the defense is so bad, something of that nature. But if Arians can so, show some progress with Winston and the turnover issue, and if he can stay out of the off the field trouble, which everybody told every, you know, I mean, it, this is not like something out of the blue. I mean, look at the off the field issues he had in college. This is, that was what you got when you drafted the guy. I mean, you knew what you were getting. Uh, but if he can stay out of trouble and he can stay away from the turnovers, you know, the guy's got the talent. There's, that's never an issue. Never and they got and, and and we've got weapons down here in Tampa when we've got a very good wide receiving core, two very good tight ends, pretty decent offensive line, a, an adequate running game, and obviously they got the coach now. Yep. Not that Dirk Cutter wasn't a good offensive guy, but Arians is definitely a quarterback uh, guy. Very good offensive system. He's he's proven results as a head coach. So um, yeah, he's never he's never really had a quarterback that he has not turned into an All Pro. Right. Really. I mean, every you know, look what he did with. Obviously, if you go all the way back to Pittsburgh with Ben, um, yeah, Andrew Luck, and you had, and then he get he gets to Arizona. Carson Palmer, Carson turns, Palmer in Arizona yeah, turns Carson Palmer around. So if he can't do it, it right. can't be done. That's right. pretty much it. And and with Mariota, I agree that the offensive system has been atrocious. Uh, they do love to run the ball, that exotic Smash Mouth, but. I mean, you got to have a quarterback that can make plays at 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 the at the right times in the NFL. Everybody knows that. If you don't, all have right. A next up, play. next next guy on the hot seat, Derek Carr out in Oakland. I think this is obviously. I think this is make or break for him. You know, second year with Gruden, the move, the the, the looming move to Las Vegas. Um, it, it, to me, you know, they, they acquired Josh Jacobs. They acquired Antonio Brown. They they acquired your guy Tyrell. Tyrell. <laughs> so they got some weapons on offense uh, now. You know, the offensive line is supposed to be pretty decent, though they did have a big injury today with one of their linemen, went, one of their starting guys went down. It sounds like it's a pretty, it, it's a pretty significant injury. But uh, again, lots of, you know, two, again, two years ago, Derek Carr was in the same breath of Carson Wentz, had a great year. The Raiders were, were rolling on the way to the playoffs before he hurt his back. And he really hasn't ever been the same guy since that back injury. So, again, it would not. This is the last year of guaranteed money on his contract. So Oakland could get out of the contract as they go to Vegas. You could see them. Obviously, you move to Vegas, drafting a new quarterback or acquiring a new guy if Derek Carr is not the answer. So, big year for Derek Carr in Oakland. Yeah, definitely, especially like you said with that contract. I mean, he got a lot of money at the time he signed it. It was the richest quarterback or a richest contract in history. So uh, I, he's definitely got something to prove. And like you said, going going to Vegas, wanting a fresh start if he's not the guy. So I, I think that they, uh, I, they they got the weapons around him. So he there's no excuses this year. How can you not be the guy if you got a Tyrell on your that, roster? That's it. I mean, Tyrell will, will solve all. I mean, <laughs> I, I, we laugh, though, but you know Phillip Rivers is going to be a great that. year. Philip Rivers is going to miss that guy. He had a, I mean, he, I mean, we make fun of his name, you, because that Southern draw and Philip saying Tyrell run the post, Tyrell, but uh, he's a good player, really good player. Yeah, ask ask Philip ask Philip Rivers. Uh, and it, I think 
I think I think I think Josh Jacobs is going to be a good asset for them. I think he's going to be the guy. Uh, Gruden loves to run the ball, and um, again, give, I'll give Oakland credit. They showed some signs at the end of the year as far as offensively. You know, they got a new GM in Mike Mayock. They they overhauled the roster this offseason, spent a lot of money in free agency and draft pick wise. So they've overhauled. I don't think the defense is still going to be great, but uh, again, I don't think I don't think the Raiders are going to be judged on how they do defensively. I think they're going to be more judged how Derek Carr does and brings along the offense this year for sure. As you're getting ready to head to, uh, to Las Vegas, they just got to get they just got to get uh, some shoes for the cryotherapy machine. Golly, can you believe that with Antonio? That is I mean, rough stuff. If you haven't seen feet, the man. pictures, go look Woo! at the pictures. Wow. Yeah, those those feet are. And I mean, frostbite to me that doesn't just go away in a couple of days. I mean, that sounds like that's a you know a significant. I mean, I, I, again, it won't be a debilitating season-ending kind of deal, but it. I mean, I don't and I don't think he'll play in the preseason. I think he'll be okay by week one, but um, that's that's ugly, man. Well, not only that, the I mean. You're talking about on the bottom of your feet with a guy that lives with the ability uh, to cut, and that's got to hurt. Cut, yeah, change directions, yeah. Wow. But it wouldn't – I mean, again, I, I mean, he did not – obviously. and the weird thing is he he wasn't screwing around. It's not like he was doing something stupid. I mean, this that right. cryotherapy helps with your recovery, and it, it, was, so it was actually he was doing something to help his physical conditioning. It wasn't like he was – doing something stupid and got sunburned out in, in Mexico somewhere or something, you know? Um, so, but it'll be, but just, I was watching hard knocks the other night and just some of the comments out of Gruden and Antonio about, I mean, come on, can we get it? Can we get an AB on the field and all? I mean, just some of the quirky comments and uh, hilarious comments Gruden likes to make. It was a pretty <laughs> good episode. They were, they focused on that topic a lot and your boy, Antonio Brown, he, he is a, he is a diva buddy. Yeah, that guy. Is. Is a diva. Now, you are you taking Antonio if he's available as one of your top two or three wide receivers, fantasy wise? Man, that's a tough call. I mean, the, the he's proven it, so that's um, a tough yeah. Call. There's no doubt. I mean, the the new offense scares me. Derek Carr scares me, and that and the feet scare me. So I don't I don't know if I could pull the trigger on that, but. Yeah, he's sitting there. Yep. In, in round in round three, are you taking in, him, pulling the trigger round, in round three? In round three, if he's still sitting there, I don't see how you can pass him up. I agree. I, I agree. He'll be a member of Pewter Powers if he's still there in round three. Well, I'm going to tell you, he's not getting. Uh, he's not getting past uh, that first pick in the ra- in the third round in T Town. So don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the last the last player, it's really not a player. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna give a whole team the last one. The Cleveland Browns. Yes. All the hype, all the they're running their mouth, talking smack. You got your boy Baker Mayfield chugging beers. You got OBJ coming in the mix. You got all that talent. You got Freddie Kitchens calling out people about leaks, and I'm gonna fire you if you get caught leaking. I think there's too much noise coming out of Cleveland personally to think that they're you know, everybody's anointed them uh, cha- division champions. They're going to be a serious threat. I'm going to say hold your hold your role there, boys and girls, because I, 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 most teams that get all this hype leading into the season turn out not to be the team. Yeah, and not only that, did they make the playoffs last year? 
They did not. So where is <laughs> I, I, that was a rhetorical question, by the way. I, I, I'm confused. You played well at times and you finally won a game for the first time in a while and we're hyping you up because why? I, I get the talent. I, I get the talent, but but come on. I mean, you haven't won anything. You haven't even won your division. You haven't even won a wild card spot. Until you do, keep the noise down. Because yeah. I can go ahead and tell you this. You got a new you got you, you got a new head coach. You got you got a coach with a little bit of swagger. He's got some Alabama ties from old Freddie back in the day. Love him. But, oh. but but I tell you this, you go into Foxborough in December. And we'll see what you're made of, because that's Not where the, that's where the test is going to be made. Is when you go into t- in Foxborough in late December, early January, if you do make the playoffs, that's where you're gonna. That's where you find out how good you are. And first uh, things first, let's see him go to Baltimore, go to Pittsburgh, and win a game. You know, win win both of those games exactly, or at least at least win. I mean, yeah, I mean, because over the years they've been owned by the Steelers and the Ravens yep. in that division. Uh, now Cincinnati's supposed to be down, so. I'm not going to give any credence to that, but prove to me you can win a big game. Go into Pittsburgh and beat them. Go into Baltimore and beat them. Like I said, beat somebody good at home. You know, again, they're going to be on primetime TV several times this year with OBJ, Baker Mayfield. Let's don't put Baker in the Hall of Fame quite yet. I mean, he had a good rookie year, but again, he had an opportunity the last game of the season to knock the Ravens out of the playoffs on the road, had the ball with three minutes to go, and through four straight incompletions that could have knocked the Ravens out of the playoffs. Hey, so please. To, to quote our boy Bill, let's put away the anointing oil and, and <laughs> hold that hold that down just for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, I would love. I mean, again, you're right. They've acquired. They've they've got a lot of really good players. Got a lot, of, especially in the, in the in the sneaky good part of their team is their defense. They've Very got good. some really good players on defense. Yep. Um, again, their defensive coordinator, you know, New- Greg Williams is no longer there, so that'll be a little bit of a transition there. Yep. They got uh, Todd Munkin, who used to be in Tampa here with Dirk Cutter. He's the OC. Who knows how much of the offense he's going to call relative to Freddie Kitchens. You know, you never know how that dynamic is going to work. Munkin, I'll give Munkin credit. He was a really good play caller down. He, he handled all the play calling in Tampa last year, and they had a prolific passing offense. So, is Freddie going to allow him to call the plays, or is Freddie going to call the plays? That's going to be an interesting uh, dynamic working there. You know, one thing real quick I will say, though, you can bring all the talent in the world in, and and the Rams did that last year. They brought all the talent in the world in, and it got them to the Super Bowl, but it couldn't get them past the Patriots, who is a team that doesn't bring And I just wonder, I wonder, with that, I wonder with that offense – you got you got Landry, OBJ, you got Chubb, you got Hunt who will be coming in at some point. You got a Joku. You got a lot of you got a lot of mouths to feed. Yep. It's gonna be interesting to see how Baker handles that because it's not gonna be smooth and perfect. And I can promise you when they lose a game in the first couple of weeks and <laughs> OBJ or Jarvis has three catches for twenty yards, yep. you're gonna hear you're gonna hear some spattering and some stuff through you're gonna hear uh some some leaks through jo- from JoJo on ESPN, Miss Josina Anderson and Sal Powell and the boys. You're going to hear some stuff coming out on uh, NFL Live and get up in the morning with Greenberg and all those guys. Yeah. Yeah, it won't be pretty when you don't give OBJ the ball and you're losing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I had to make a tough decision OBJ-wise in fantasy whether to protect him or not, and I chose not to. So uh, we'll see if that comes back to Roos. So, um, all right, let's get to our buddy, the commish, one Roger Goodell, and a couple of off-field things. First off, how does Tyreek Hill not get suspended <laughs> for anything? I, I guess How does that happen? Well, there wasn't a videotape, I guess. I, I, that seems to be the only thing that, that that happens. But, I mean, you suspended Ezekiel Elliott. Now, granted, I can't stand the guy, so I was happy about it. But you suspended him six games based upon some hearsay, pretty much. And you suspend Tom Brady for four games for deflating a football. And this guy does what he does and does not get suspended. That is – that's a major – and is on audio audio tape basically threatening to beat his wife's ass. That's a major wow. <laughs> I mean, I mean, using very graphic language yeah. to say, "I will, I will f and kill you if need be." Re- relative to this conversation, to, and all of a sudden, the three year old just all of a sudden breaks his arm. Oh, really? And, and another thing, this is just like what you we said with Jameis. You know what you got when you got this guy he was kicked off of a team in division one football for acting this way and he with was the same woman with the same woman he was brought in the league knowing i mean people people had a fit over this guy when you know like especially the domestic violence groups and, and the women's groups had a fit at the kansas city chiefs do you remember when he he returned to kick and the nfl put him on their front page and people went crazy they had to take him off the front page I mean, he had and he a played, reputation. And he, and, yeah. <laughs> and I guess I'm, I'm – I mean, and, and, I, and I agree. The NFL not suspending him is really bad. But I really have a problem with the Kansas City Chiefs, the yes. ownership there, who, who have a storied history in the NFL, have a good reputation, the Hunt family. I'm really, I'm really disappointed that they didn't even step in after the NFL did nothing and said, you know what, we're going to suspend Tyreek Hill at least two games. I mean, I'm, again, I, hey, I mean, I'm just, I'm just shocked that that the Chiefs allowed that to happen. And 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 to follow up on that, last year Kareem Hunt, they cut him, they cut the man right away, and then he got the eight games from the NFL. How right. is Tyreek Hill? Forget forget suspension. How is he even a part of that team? But I can tell you why he's a part of that team because he's more, he means more to Pat Mahomes than Kareem Hunt did. Right. That's why he's still a part of that and, team. And, and Andy Reid's always been a guy that give to, to give those kind of guys second chance. You had Michael, the Michael Vick situation yep. with involving Andy Reid. You had, but you this, had uh, obviously have Tyreek Hill. But this guy you, was already on his second chance. That's I the know, thing. I know. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's, it's, it, I, I'm just, I'm just really disappointed in in, in the, the Kansas City front office that they didn't step in and say, you know what? I know the NFL didn't do anything, but we're going to suspend them at least. I mean. At the minimum, two games. Two games. Make Guys are getting something. suspended left and right for two games for, for for stuff that's probably worthy of a suspension, but they are getting, you know, Richie Incognito is getting suspended for two games. You had some guys that are getting suspended, you know, Golden Tate taking fertility drugs. He's yeah. getting suspended. I mean, I mean, stuff that you could, you could argue is legitimately not worth a suspension, but this guy who's on tape – Saying what he said, not getting anything is really a disgrace to me. And and here's what's going to happen: he 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 ends up with some a domestic violence charge, 
and everybody's going to come back and say, "See, I told you." And they're going to look. And the like press conference, and the press conference he had was a joke that he had about a week ago, man. I I, I listened to some of that. I mean, it was just he's like, it's "Yeah, silly. me and my son, we like to do some boxing." My little three-year-old, and you know, I punch him in the chest, and we that's we do some boxing because he likes Iron Man. Are you kidding me? That's major wow. Yeah, it's a major wow. All right. Colin Kaepernick wants back in the NFL, Mr. Banks. Can you believe it's been three years now that he's not been in this league? Nobody given him has given him an opportunity. Uh, full blackball in effect for the for the NFL. Uh, should Colin Kaepernick get an opportunity? Obviously, do we think do we think he's one of the the best ninety quarterbacks in the NFL? Yeah, ninety. Yeah, thirty two. No, I don't. Um, he hasn't played in three years. Um, I'd have to see. I mean, I think what's holding him back, yeah, it's the black ball. We all know that. That's fine. But I, I was, you know, I don't know. Can he run an NFL team? Can he get, I think more than anything, can he, can he lead an NFL team? You've got a lot, you know, his, his stance divided a lot of locker rooms uh, when he, when he made that, when he, when he kneeled. And it divided a lot of locker rooms. And I don't think that those NFL GMs are willing to divide their locker rooms over the chance. Now, if you were talking about the talent of Pat Mahomes, you divide a locker room for that talent. But, would, that, is that, would that guy not be a perfect kind of backup situation for a guy like Lamar Jackson? They run that style of offense. Yeah, I mean. That read option. He's, he's been, had success in that type of offense. Like he I said. He would be I, it fairly inexpensive. I mean, fairly inexpensive, and he'd be to me. He'd be a perfect type of backup for a guy like him because if Lamar does get hurt, which is likely in that type of offense, you got a guy that you don't have to change the whole the whole offensive scheme with. No, I agree with you. I, like I said, I think this comes down to to chemistry. I think it comes down to not wanting. Do you want to? Do you want and and do you want to be the team that does that? And and let's be honest. The majority of the fans that come to the games, the ones that pay for the tickets to the games, are are against him, and and especially in a in a in in certain markets. And are you willing, are you willing to to put that aside and 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 put your fans because you're gonna you're gonna get a lot of backlash when you do it. So you are gonna get some backlash. There's no doubt about it. And uh, yep, uh, but again, yeah, because he he just released a video today, actually. You know, showing himself throwing the ball and working. I mean, still working out every day. And as far as weightlifting, I mean, he he looks like he's he's ripped to, to shreds. I mean, he's he's an incredible athlete. As far as he looks great physically. And they you know they showed a clip of you know thirty or forty seconds of him throwing and all that stuff. So he's still training like he's and saying he's ready to go if, if need be. But can you believe it's been three nine over nine hundred days since he's since he's been uh, on an NFL roster. And think about it, five or six years ago, that guy was the toast of the league when he was on his run with the 49ers taking them to the Super Bowl. Yeah, he sure was. I mean, <laughs> with him and Jim Harbaugh together, they were dynamite. I mean, he was lighting some people up running that read option stuff in San Francisco. Very, Just very interesting uh, kind of tidbit about uh, Colin Kaepernick. All right, let's get to Dallas. The big news out of Dallas, Mr. Zeke. We got Zeke holding out. We got uh, Dak. We got Amari. Uh, Jerry Jones, who do you pay? How much do you pay? Do you invest heavily in the running back? 
You play a game of chicken with Zeke to see who blinks as far as his contract goes. Um, I think I don't pay Zeke Elliott $15 million a year like maybe Todd Gurley got. I would pay him probably 12 or so, and that would probably be about the number I would go to. I would say, Zeke, I'll give you four years, $48 million. We'll guarantee 40 of it. Let's go. I would not go more than $12 million because if you do, you're going to sacrifice either losing Amari Cooper and some of the other young, young guys that are coming up for contract extensions. Yeah, and, and I think it comes down to who do, who do you think is more important for Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott or Amari Cooper? And if, any, if last year is, is, tells us anything, Amari Cooper was more important for Dak Prescott than Zeke Elliott was. Um, I think if the offensive line is healthy in Dallas – they can it pretty a lot of people can run the ball behind that offensive line. It's a good offensive line. I'll say this. Zeke Zeke to me, he's a difference maker at running back. He's not he just is. a guy. He is. I'm not saying he's not. What I'm saying is, do you think you can get a guy that can do what Amari Cooper did for Dak Prescott more than what you could get a running back? Let's look at Kansas City. Kareem Hunt goes down. Damian Williams, a guy that only fantasy owners knew who Damian Williams was and, and, and play and, and Dolphins fans. I mean, let's be honest, right? Damian Williams was known to fantasy owners, some fantasy owners, some of them might not even know him and Dolphins fans. And that guy came in and, and, and look what he's done. I mean, he's a starting running back going into this year. You I will say this, but Kansas City, I will say that, but Kansas City's offense was predicated on throwing the ball no, 70% no. of the time, whereas Dallas in a perfect world, they want to run the ball 50% of the time. They do. And and I'm not saying, like I said, don't get me wrong. I don't think that – I'm not saying Zeke is not the difference maker. I'm just saying I think that there are more running backs you can get to fit a system to get you by than you can find wide receivers that can make a – that can break open a game like Amari Cooper did after he was traded last year. I mean I – don't, I don't disagree. Dallas definitely – yes, they needed a number one receiver, no doubt about it. He was definitely an impact player. I think you're going to see – one thing I would say, I'm not paying Dak Prescott $30 million to be my starting quarterback. I agree with that. I, I mean, I would give him – I would probably give him 25, but I'm not breaking the bank at $30 million to make him the highest-paid quarterback in the league. I don't care what what line he is in the, in the pecking order of getting paid time. No, he I'm, is not a $30 million quarterback, and I'm not ruining my salary cap over him paying him $30 million. I agree with that, and I and I think that you know the thing that hurts Zeke, um, Le'Veon Bell is a difference maker in Pittsburgh. He was a difference maker. He held out, and he actually got less than what he would have had he yeah. played last year. And I think that hurts Zeke. I think that I think that in the long term, teams are looking and going, "Look, we found you know Pittsburgh. There's another team. Le'Veon Bell holds out. They find James Conner. James Conner's a revelation. He goes down. Jalen Samuels comes in. Now, granted." That's another system that a running back can do well in because you have been and you had a B, but still, I think that that hurts these guys that are trying to hold out in a running back position, not to mention Todd Gurley's injury. Granted that's specific to Todd Gurley, but that doesn't help his case either. Um, and, the, and the other thing you have to be aware of too, Zeke Elliott, if Zeke Elliott thinks he's going to get top dollar with all the off field issues he's had, he has no. one. He's one drug test, one more incident away from being suspended six to eight weeks NFL-wise because he just can't stay out of trouble in the offseason. And 
There's right. now if he was clean cut and didn't have any issues off the field, maybe you would pay him. But there's no way you can pay him top dollar with all the off field issues he's had. Right. I mean that's and that's one reason that's what hurt Le'Veon Bell. I mean, off season off off season issues, off the field issues. You hold out. Your you, your team still does you know still finds a way to run the ball without you, and and you still lose money. So I. I agree. I think twelve million. I mean, I'm not saying you don't pay the guy; you pay him something. But, but you're also he's also still in his rookie deal. I mean, we're not talking about a Le'Veon right. Bell situation. Two years left. Two years left. Right. You're not talking about a franchise tag guy or somebody like this. This guy's still under contract. I mean, Le'Veon Bell was playing was was not under contract. Technically, was not under contract. He right. did not sign the franchise tag. Zeke Elliott, Melvin Gordon, these guys are under contract. So well, and I would say Melvin Gordon's really to me. I don't know what they're offering, but I can. I bet I bet LA's probably offered somewhere around ten million dollars, and Melvin Gordon would be stupid if he doesn't take that offer because San Diego's not going to pay him twelve, thirteen million dollars because he's just not proven to be, other than scoring touchdowns, which which he he did in bursts. He's not proven to be a great between the tackles kind of runner and a guy that can stay healthy. So. If he's he thinking he's going to get more than ten million bucks, he's he's going to be sitting at home for a long time. See, you know what it is? These guys look at their fantasy at, at how they are in fantasy and how they're valued in fantasy, and think that that translates to the real world, and it doesn't. And I'm not joking about that. I'm serious. You know, Melvin Gordon is a hot commodity in fantasy. He's a he's a top five, top six running back, but he's not that kind of guy in in real life because, like you said, he hasn't shown the he hasn't shown the ability to run to be a horse that to carry the ball every down every game and stay healthy. He can't do it. And until he can, like you said, why are you going to get the guy 12 million to sit on your bench and have to use an Austin Eckler as a fill in? I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, I'm again, I think, I think you'll see, I think you'll see Melvin Gordon report right before the, again, I think, I think LA is probably going to offer him somewhere in the eight or not eight to $10 million range. And to me, if he doesn't take that deal, he's going to sit. And if he just, I mean, I think you'll, I mean, he'll eventually report because he wants to get paid, but he's not going to get more than 10 million bucks from the LA Chargers. And now, it, would, now would they, tr- would they trade him to another team? It's, I mean, there'll be some teams that, that need a running back at some point. Do you trade them? I mean, maybe, but again, I don't think anybody in the league is going to give him more than 10 million bucks. I don't either. And the sad thing is, is, the Chargers are really in their their that window's closing. I mean, they're they've got a great shot this year. They do. That, that window is closing, and and I you know, and that probably is what he thinks gives him leverage. You know, these guys, hey, we we got to do it now because we're in this window. But but uh, I mean, you're just hurting your team, and, and 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 at the end of the day, guys don't respond to that when you're when you're being selfish about getting paid. I mean, look at like look at what it did with with the team. With Pittsburgh last year, how it divided that team with the guys that were getting were there getting paid, and uh, so I, yeah, I, I just I don't I don't see them holding out the whole year. It's it's a different situation than Le'Veon Bell completely, because like you said, they're under contract for two more years. So I think you'll I think you'll see Dallas. I think Dallas will get a deal done with Dak at a little bit of a discount, and I think you'll see Dallas get a deal with Zeke before the season starts at a little bit of a discount. And I think Amari Cooper could might be the guy that they might let play out this year. He's again, he's still got a year in his contract, and that might be something where he might get an extension halfway through the year or something like that. 
Um, I think they'll keep all. I think they'll find a way to keep all three, but I don't think it'll be. You know, all three will be. All three will not get top dollar. I don't. That 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 ain't happening. It can happen. They don't have the kind. Of, they don't have the salary yeah. cap space. Exactly, and, and all three are, are not top dollar. Are not top of the ledger players. They're all really good players. Um, Zeke would probably be the highest rated of the three positionally, but Amari's probably the seventh. At the at best, he's probably the seventh or eighth best receiver in the NFL at best. And Dak's probably twelve or thirteen in in the league at quarterback at best. When you oh. really break it down. All right, so let's transition to Major League Baseball. The trade deadline just passed. We, we got about uh, about probably 50 games left for most teams, 50 to 55 games. The trade deadline passed. There was a couple pretty interesting moves. Uh, our beloved Atlanta Braves shored up their bullpen a little bit. I don't know. I've not been following Shane Green the last week or so. How's he done in his, in his early uh, returns with the Bravos? Not good. Um, yeah, I, 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 I thought I saw that he had struggled. Yeah, he did. Now, I will say the first game, I, I watched every game, um, and, and I will say the first game, it was a lot of bad luck. He, he gave up a couple of soft singles, blew the save. He only allowed one run. It was, But it was there was hardly – there was no hard contact. It was all soft contact. So you chalked it up to bad luck and nerves, you know, closing a one-run game in your first game with your new team, who he's admitted was his favorite team growing up. Uh, okay. The from next your, game. From your, belo- from your be- beloved Detroit Tigers too, man. From the Tigers as well. The, and and you cut, closing for a last place team and closing for a team that has a real shot at a that, is is a big difference. And, and that's uh, the, that's the big question everybody yeah. has with Shane Green is can he do it in a pennant race? Yeah. And the next game though, woof, he got, he got, torched and uh he came in one more in some mop-up duty in minnesota non-save situation gave up a home run there um so three games he's allowed five runs uh in less than three innings of of, of pitching so not not uh not the best return for but you know you didn't they didn't give up much they gave up some prospects that the tigers are you know are highly rated for the tigers now but for the braves who had a deep farm system they could afford to give those guys up um, and Shane Green was a guy that that everybody has said, you know, watch out for the regression. These numbers don't match his career numbers. Right. And he is going to come back to earth. And um, but either way, they had to do something. Luke Jackson was not the answer. He was blowing saves left and right. I think that the sneaky sleeper move uh, for the Braves was Mark Melanson. I, think I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Melanson is a guy. This guy closed for several teams. He signed a big contract with San Francisco. And then if, if people don't know about this injury that he had, it's crazy. This guy went for six months of the first six months of the season in his first year with San Francisco and didn't know what was wrong with his arm. He, could, he had no velocity. He couldn't throw well. They, they did MRIs. They did x-rays. They did all this stuff. Could not figure it out until they actually did surgery in August or September of 2017 open his arm up over uh, by his forearm and find out the muscle has been con- something's around the muscle and his muscle is dying. It's like gray. Nothing's getting, no blood's getting to it. A freak, freak injury. Uh, they did the surgery. They told him it'd be a couple months before he was back. He, he said he hasn't felt until he was fully back until this year, which was all of 2018 and some of this year, but he's made some adjustments on the mound. 
I think he's the guy that will end up closing in late September and in the postseason for the Braves. Um, Chris Martin was also a good pickup, too. He got him for next to nothing. Um, so, but yeah, definitely some interesting moves around the whole league. I mean, Houston, Houston really made a statement. And, yeah, yeah, with Grinky, that, that kind of came out of left field, the whole yeah. Grinky deal. Um, Aaron, uh, Aaron Sanchez to be your five start, number five start. He, he tosses six no hit innings in his first game there. Houston's and, got and, a intensity. And, and the quality move with the with Granky, the quality move with Granky. Why that's such a good move for Houston is because one, you now you have a legit third starter who yep. will be able to go up against the Yankees potentially in the playoffs. Though Granky does not have a great postseason history, but. It also protects them at the end of leading into future the next couple of years because yeah. Garrett yeah. Cole's a free agent yeah. and there's all kind of speculation that he's going back home to LA in the offseason. Well, and let's be fair to Zach Grinky. Being the third starter in the postseason is a lot different than being the number one starter in the postseason. I agree with that play. completely. So you you're starting, you know, you're starting that third game, and you're if your team with you having Verlander and Cole, you could be up to nothing already. <laughs> the pressure's not on you as much as it is when, hey, you got to start this series for us and you got to get us off to a good start. So I think it's a, it's a lot different. Um, and, and and I agree with you on the contract thing. Yeah, Cole is a free agent. Um, I think he would be, unless he's going to, to, to the Dodgers, um, which, you know, they have unlimited resources there. I, I think he'd no, be there's a lot to talk that he's going, there's lots of talk he's going to the Angels. We see. I think he. I think he'd be a fool to do that. I think he'd be a fool to leave Houston. I, I, but well, uh, but the the angels the angels are willing to pay him because they don't have yeah. a top line starter. No, they Mike, need it. Mike, <laughs> Mike, they need it. Mike Trout's getting older. You know, and he's going to be. He, he'll be the face of that pitching staff. That re, rebirth. That uh, because it's a shame. All right, so we had the other big trade was Trevor Bauer getting traded from Cleveland to Cincinnati after his little outburst <laughs> in Kansas City where he throws the ball over the center field wall, all that stuff. Great pitcher. Cleveland wasn't going to be able to resign him from all indications. They, they swapped, they flipped him to Cincinnati for two good bats. And they, it was a three-team deal. They got, they got Puig from Cleveland, and then they got a, the uh, – an outfielder from the Padres who had hit like race. who's hit like 27, 28 home runs, and and, and, that's, and that's what Cleveland needed. Cleveland needed some bats. Their need their outfield production was was below average at best. Well, Reyes is a Reyes is a DH in that was playing in the National League team. He, his defense is horrible, so he will be the DH. But Puig moves into right field. Mercado's in center now. It, it definitely shored up the alpha, but what else they got was Logan Allen, which was another sneaky move. That guy was the number seven prospect for the Padres who had a loaded farm system. And he was the number seven guy for that farm system. He's going to be a guy that could possibly be a future closer or maybe even start. So I think Logan Allen was another good thing that they got. I thought they got a haul for him. I thought that they got what, what he was worth for sure. And well, that's, gets, that's probably a win. Good. That's a win-win trade for both teams. Cincinnati needed another frontline starter, yep. a guy that who they can turn around and flip if, if they don't want to keep him, they can turn around and trade him in the offseason, you know, um, and get some more assets for him. You know, you know, a, a, a 
Bauer's pretty volatile in the in the clubhouse from all indications. Pretty uh I would say loner is not probably a good word, but pretty he's a guy who likes to keep to himself and you know doesn't have the greatest reputation as a teammate. So um But you traded Puig who did not have the greatest reputation as a guy that was all there. Right. So you know, uh one move that you haven't mentioned that I think is a sneaky move that kind of went under the radar, but the Cubs getting Nick Castellanos from Detroit. I was going to mention that. Yep. I think that's a, that's a, again, Detroit, you hate to say it, but your Tigers could be the key to, to, to to a couple of pennant races in Atlanta and obviously (laughs) with Chicago. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I thought that was a great move by Chicago and he's already paying dividends already, but they needed another bat in that lineup. Um, especially from the right side. And, uh, I think, yeah, I think that I think that that is a, a great move. I'm with you. I, I like that move a lot. He's a good hitter, and he can play the outfield. He, I know he's a third baseman, but he can also play the outfield, right? Uh, no, he's an outfield that was forced into playing third base in Detroit. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> no, no, he 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 belongs in the outfield. <laughs> okay. Yeah, his his defensive uh, fielding abilities on that on the dirt are not that great. Right, and the Cubs yeah. have a and, and the Cubs got a pretty stacked outfield now with. You got Schwarber, you got Castellanos, you got Almora Jr., you got Hayward and Wright. So, so Madden has a lot of flexibility um, to mix and match lineups against lefties and righties. You got Chris Bryant, Rizzo, Baez. I mean, they got a pretty if they if their pitching can come together a little bit and they can get some bullpen, you know, they can figure out their bullpen. The Cubs are still a, a threat in the National League, in my opinion. I agree. They just that, like you said, the pitching. Kimbrel has to stay healthy. I think. He's rounding into form. Obviously, everybody knew he was going to take a while because he was off for so long. But, uh, you know, tonight they won 12-5. to 5. Castellanos had a, had two home runs. Ian Happ had another home run. They just called him up from the minors. So That's another – yeah, that's another guy in the outfit. They, they've been waiting on him for a couple of years now to finally make a move as far as being an impact player. And he could be the kind of guy where, you know, he, he could be a, one of those – September guys, August September guys, that turns into a huge player in the postseason. Yeah, two for five with uh, four RBI tonight and and, uh, and a home run. So yeah, well, I got I got to admit, I just picked him up yesterday in fantasy to plug him in my lineup. So good. Well, I, yeah. it's Mike, Mike, it's called an eye for talent, Mike. It's called well, an eye I, for talent. How about this? I picked up Gio Urshela today for the Yankees, and I <laughs> plugged him in, and he had two home runs, and I gave my daughter the eye for talent sign to show her <laughs> that, that her dad had the eye for talent as well. <laughs> and she yeah. looked at me with bewilderment. <laughs> oh boy! All right. The last thing about the pennant races is the teams that did nothing. The Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers. I'm very, I'm surprised that those three teams did. I mean, not as surprised at the Red Sox. Cause I don't, I think they've realized they're not going to, they're not going to, they're not in it. Uh, yeah. Long term, but the Do- the Yankees and the Dodgers, I'm really surprised, didn't make any pitching, didn't make any moves to to uh, shore up the pitching. Well, the Dodgers, especially in the bullpen, because Kenley Jansen has not been reliable back there, and their their middle relief is is atrocious. I mean, that's all. Let's call it what it is. Their starters are great as long as they're healthy. Um, but I guess they just—I mean—they had the, they had the talent in the farm system to give up oh, yeah. to, get a, to get a front line guy. So that was surprising. The Yankees, as long as they're playing Baltimore, they're fine. Um, but <laughs> you know, the Yankees' problem is they can't stay healthy. If they had all the guys that come off the injured list, 
They wouldn't need any help. But the problem well, is, they, they, they still need some help in the pitching department. Well, yeah, but you're still Starters. talking about a couple guys that are on the D, on the IL there as well. So, yeah, uh, but even if Severino, they're talking about Severino and yeah. Batanzas coming back. I mean, you can't rely on that Severino comes back and is going to be elite. I mean, the no, guy no. pitched in six months. No, I, I'm I mean, just saying. I'm just saying that shows you how good they are that they're what right. seven eight games up on Tampa and yet. They, I mean, they're playing with the Gio Urshelas and the Mike Toshmans and the these guys. I mean, Judge right. has missed most of the year. Missed most of the year. Stanton has missed all but you know ten games. Right. Uh, uh, Andar has been out. Sanchez has been hurt. You know. Yeah, Sanchez yeah. is on the IL. Gleyber Torres is hurt right now. I mean, you got guys all over this. This Luke Voigt is out, and he and more than likely is going to be out for the season. They're about to make a call on surgery for him, and yet they still are finding yeah. these guys that are coming up, but. You know, like I said, you play Baltimore and Toronto, and it's not that hard. So, I mean, the Yankees are going to try to win this thing, try to win games seven to four, seven to five, because they're going to try to get four to five innings in the playoffs out of their starters at best. Hap, Sabathia, you know, Tanaka, those kind of guys Paxton. just aren't going, to, aren't going to give you seven seven innings, three hits, one run. I mean, they're going to turn it over to their bullpen early and often come October. And they have a deep bullpen. They get, you know, you got a Zach Britton and and, uh, and you obviously Chapman, but you got you got guys in the bullpen that can do it. So, so they're going to have to. But yeah, I mean, I think James Paxson is going to be a big a big key to their to their. He better be. He better be. Because yeah. they gave up a lot for him. Speaking of Chapman, Chapman goes to my health club in the off season down here in Tampa at the LA Fitness. That dude, I saw him in, right before during spring training. You talk about a monster. That dude is a monster, man. I think I received. I think I received that picture. Yes, I, t- I took some photos of Juan Araldis and his lady friend and his crew at the at the LA Fitness. He is a big. He's a big dude, man. That is a big. Now, I, I mean, you know why that guy can throw a hundred as much leverage and torque as he can generate? Because people don't realize he's probably he's probably six five. I mean, he, he is tall and he is thick. And that guy is a uh, is a big boy in person. All right, let's go predictions, wild card predictions. Who you got in the in the American League wild card? Rays, Cleveland, uh, Oakland. Oakland. Yeah, I I I think that uh, I think that Cleveland I think Cleveland gets in. I think that those deals help them, and I think it comes down between Tampa Bay and Oakland. And I think the key is how fast. Can they get Blake Snell back before they're, you know, Blake Snell yeah. is the key there because if he yeah. can if he can pitch like he's capable of, they need him back really bad. And uh, so I think if Snell comes back and uh, and th- and they can keep pace with Oakland, they can stay within a game in, or two at most of Oakland. You know, right now they're half game up, and yeah, and yeah. Snell comes back, I think Tampa gets that other spot. Yeah, that 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 one's going right down to the wire the last week of the season for sure. Yeah, sneak a sneaky move that the Rays made. Jesus Aguilar, huge, huge. Yep, move. I mean, great year last year. Had been struggling this year with Milwaukee. They, you know, the Rays needed need, needed another bat for sure, and uh, he could be a sneaky, really, really good player for them these these next two months. And you know what else the Rays the Rays need is they need Austin Meadows to step back up and play like he did in the first couple months of the season. Yep, because he yep. and, and he and he has picked it up lately, but. He's got to get back to that level, stealing bases, driving in runs, scoring runs. Uh, and if he can do that, Rays are in good shape. 
My Rays are getting in the playoffs for a one-game scenario. I don't know what uh, – you know, they just put another one of their pitchers on the DL. So, basically, uh, Chirinos and yeah. Snell are on the DL. They got Charlie Morton. They got Brendan McKay. And, and But I think the Rays are going to find a way to get into that one-game playoff. Um, I think it'll be I think it'll be Cleveland and Tampa in a one game showdown in the mecca of Tropicana Field, baby. <laughs> you'll have with the you'll have you'll have a hot eighteen thousand for the wild for the play in wild card game. <laughs> <laughs> on, three, on a Tuesday on a Tuesday night. Tuesday afternoon on TBS. Tuesday afternoon, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> nobody's nobody's fighting that traffic to St. Pete on, on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, it, it's sad, man, because as, as good as they play, we just can't get anybody to go to the game. But all right, real quick in the nat- real quick in the National League, who who you like? So you got pretty much the Dodgers are in. You got a three team battle in the Central between Cubs, Cardinals, Brewers, and then you got basically now you got the streaking Mets coming on in the in the East. You got the Braves, uh, Nationals, and the Mets in the East. Well, I think the Braves hold on in the East. I think the Cubs. Uh, with with the additions they made, St. Louis kind of stood. They stood pat. Milwaukee, I don't think has the pitching to to keep up. I think Chicago's there. Obviously, the Dodgers have all but clinched. I think the wild card. The Mets are really scaring me right now, though. They're only a half game back of the wild card. This team was it was like eight nine games out of the wild card like two weeks ago. But they three gone- weeks ago they were dead and buried. And they're making trades for Marcus Stroman, and everybody's, everybody's thinking, "What are they doing? doing?" And they don't trade Syndergaard, and they don't trade Zach Wheeler. And everybody's like, "What are you guys doing?" And they've now won what fourteen out of fifteen, or something like that. Fourteen out of fifteen, yeah, they've won uh, fourteen out of fifteen, and they've won six six straight, nine out of their last ten. I mean, they're on a roll. I think that Washington gets one of those wild card spots, and I think that the Mets get the other one. I, that is my bold prediction. I think that they're playing well enough, and they've got the pitching now. They've got four legit starters that can do it. I really, I think that. And think be- about it: you could have a wild card matchup of Degrom versus Scherzer, Scherzer. or <laughs> Strasburg versus you know uh, Syndergaard. One of those kind of combinations yeah. that would be one heck of a wild card matchup. It would be and, in yeah. a one game scenario. Yeah, I I don't think Philly's going to be able to hold hold or hang around. I think that their pitching is just horrendous. Um, I watch I watch them when they I watched them in Arizona a couple a couple nights this week. I watched them obviously when they play the Braves, and their pitching is horrendous. Outside of Nola, they do not have much. So and the, and those three starters for both the Mets and the Nationals, that is a legitimate threat to the. I mean, I hate I think the Dodgers are the best team, but in a short series, a five game series. Yeah. That is very nervous if you're the if you're the Dodgers and you see Corbin, Strasburg, and Scherzer, or Syndergaard, Degrom, and potentially you know Stroman or somebody like that as your third starter. Well, not only that, but the bullpen for the Nationals improved greatly on the trade deadline when they got uh, 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 Elias and uh, Hunter Strickland. Doolittle's already a stud back there, yep. so. So and the the bullpen for the Nationals is way better than the bullpen for the Dodgers. And so, yeah. if you can, if you got a team, if you got the Scherzer, Strasburg, Annabelle Sanchez, those guys Corbin. to get Corbin, Corbin, to get you through the first three games, and you have that to turn it over to that bullpen, you you're exactly right. That is a big threat to the Dodgers. I agree. And uh, 
Got to give a shout-out to Tampa's finest, one, one Pete Alonzo from Tampa Plant High School on fire, crushing the ball at first base for the Mets. What a, what a find that he's been for the Mets. Uh, Big-time yeah. big talent down here in Tampa coming up. Um, so good for, good for Pete Alonzo, won the home run derby. You know, all indications, good guy, good, good family down here. How about here, – here's a story about Pete Alonzo. So he was at he was at uh, a private school with a pretty good baseball reputation here. That private school says to Pete Alonzo, "Hey man, we can't put you on, we can't put you in the lineup because you can't play. You, your defense is pitiful. We, we're not even <laughs> we're not even going to put you at first. We can't we can't even put you at first base." He says, "Okay." He goes to the to the public school right down the street and sets all bunch of records, hitting home runs and all that stuff because the private school doesn't want to that can't find a spot for this guy to, to, to be a masher. Wow. In high school. Went on to Florida, played at Florida for the Gators, and then, then obviously got drafted by the Mets. But, you know, just a little tidbit of high school story about one Pete Alonzo, Tampa Jesuit, was the culprit. And, uh, again, big baseball factory down here at private school and went on to finish up at Tampa at Plant High School in Tampa here. Oh, by the way, Here's here's a here's a little trivia for you. Like this, Mike, Mr. Detroit Lions. Your boy. Who's your boy from Tampa that used to be a lion? Wide receiver. Wide receiver. Yeah. Highly touted wide receiver. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mike Williams. Mikey. Big Mikey Williams. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah, got I named just got named the head coach of a high school team down here. So Mikey Williams coaching some high school ball down here in Tampa. Stay away from the buffet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but uh, good for Mike. Back in the mix down here in the high school. I thought school. you were talking about a current player, and I was like, I'm going through the receivers for the Bucks, and I'm like, <laughs> who are the players that are playing for the Bucks that play for the Lions? Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mikey, uh, Mikey, uh, he could eat. He liked to eat. He had a great career at USC. And just uh, all that buffet caught up to him in Motown. He was lethal at USC. He man, was, God, he was good, boy. Woof. Yeah, he was devastating at USC, man. They just could... all right. Let's go to college. Good transition. Talking about Mikey going to college football, real quick. Not a lot of chatter on the you know as we approach this year. I think a lot of people in the around the country think it's a foregone conclusion. Alabama, Clemson, maybe Ohio State, maybe a little Georgia, maybe a little Oklahoma. Just not a lot of chatter doesn't seem like heading into the college football season. Yeah, I mean, until any other teams can prove up or step up and prove that they can ha- they can play with these guys. You know, Georgia came very close last year, but um, yeah, I mean, until until somebody else proves that they can do it, you know, it's hard it's hard to get, really buy in and, and say, yeah, I think another team's going to do it. Um, Georgia and here's lost, the other, and, and here's yeah, the other part of that is Clemson and Alabama have a joke of a schedule this year. They're yeah. not playing. I mean, they're they're you know I know Clemson plays. I think Texas A and M early. That's the kind of their one big. But Alabama's non-conference schedule is a joke. Their conference schedule isn't great. Yeah, they get LSU at home. Uh, they get Tennessee at home. You got uh, you got Clemson getting A and M at home. Yeah. Um, and, and and even, you know, outside of A&M, you know, you got South Carolina as one of their non-conference games, which is not a big deal. So, yeah, I mean, the schedule make I mean, but hey, 
the Bama can only play the SEC schedule that's put in front of them. When they scheduled the game with Duke, it was it was a it was a game that they scheduled as a neutral site game. Uh, Duke has been better than what they were in the past lately. They're not. It's not a tough game, obviously. Um, you know they, but it is what it is. I mean, right, you, know, right. you, 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 you can only play the schedule that's in front of you, and and it, you know sometimes those teams work out, sometimes they don't. Um, but yeah, and, and and that could benefit them. It could hurt them when they get to their conference championship games because they might not have been tested. I think that Bama is going to be more tested than Clemson just from playing the SEC schedule as opposed to the ACC schedule. Right, right, right. But yeah, but yeah I mean, again, there's, uh, you know, a couple, you know, couple sleeper teams in the SEC. A lot of people are high on Auburn this year. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people are, you know, high, a lot of people down here are high on Florida. I think they have a p- potential run in them. Um, obviously, the, their fate will probably be determined in that Florida-Georgia game. That'll probably be the, 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 the backbreaker for the East. But and obviously Tennessee is getting a little bit better, um, but I don't but think you, you know as well as I do though, because you lived here and you saw it uh, firsthand. The Alabama Auburn game is a dogfight every year almost, and and that game is a lot tougher for Alabama than the Clemson South Carolina game is for Clemson. Oh, I agree. No, I agree so, with that. And, and I and I think that that's you know that's right before the conference championship games, and and that can be the thing that can can, you know, hurt the worst for a team like Alabama, especially if they're undefeated at that point, going into the Auburn game. Right. Everything's on the line. It's not – I know that Clemson-South Carolina is a big rival. I know they hate each other. But let's be honest, it, it's nothing like an Alabama-Auburn. And you, it's you not. Oh, no, 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 no. You know it firsthand and not even a fan of either team, just watching it firsthand. Right. So um, I, I just think that that, that, can be a, that can be a big game. Um you know, it's always a big game, obviously, but that could be a big deal as far as changing the, the course of what happens. And, and Georgia also getting to play Georgia Tech <laughs> that at that same time is not is not a tough challenge. So those, not those what it used to be, where, you know, four or five, four or five years ago, that was a much better game than it is now. Yeah, it's just not a good game anymore. I mean, George and especially with how well how much better Georgia is compared, right. compared to where right. they were since Kirby came in, as opposed to how far Georgia tech has fallen off. So, you know, um, and the, a couple other storylines real quick and we'll get out of here. Uh, you, you got the, obviously the big 10, you got the transition from urban Meyer to Ryan day, you got Michigan, how much pressure is Harbaugh under to, to win this year? Cause it's been, this is year, I think what five for him in Ann Arbor. About to be I, going into six, isn't it? I think it's five. five. Either way he hadn't won. And he hadn't beaten Ohio State yet. They've not made the playoff yet. So I think there's some, there's a lot of spec, you know, there's a lot of hope at, in, in Ann Arbor that Ohio State, State might be down a little bit this year relative to what they've been, that there's an opening for them. So, and obviously you have the Jalen Hurts situation in Oklahoma. How well he will he, will he respond to that new offense, all that kind of good stuff. And, and can anybody out West, is there a team out West that can make a run, a, an Oregon, a, a USC type of team, somebody like that, can, can Washington, uh, can can any one of those teams out west make a run to, to be a threat to get into the playoffs? Yeah, I don't I don't see that any team out west can make a run against those teams we just talked about those that top five. And I, I agree with you. I think that Michigan Ohio State's an interesting thing because, like you said, Harbaugh's got to beat Ohio State. I went up to Michigan to see my dad in May, and him and I he's a big Michigan fan, and I and he said you know. He's got to win 
enough with the talking, enough with the, we're going to do this, and we're he's got to he's got to beat these guys. I, I can tell you this, and you know this, if if Nick Saban came into Alabama and went zero and five against Auburn in his first five years, he would not still be the coach at Alabama. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't work that way down here. So I don't know about that, but but yeah, I, I don't know if they, they got fired, but there'd have been some heat for sure. Well, I'm saying 0 and five. If he goes 0 and five against Auburn, he's probably not winning a national championship. He needs right, right. So I agree. 0 and five and no national championships, he's not probably still around. Is what I'm saying. So, uh, but I mean, you you got to win. You got to beat your rival, and to lose that many times is embarrassing. So. Um, but yeah, I, and I think Oklahoma is definitely a, a wild card in this race. I think Jalen Hurts is going to uh I think he showed everybody that he can throw the ball now and he's gonna be he, he's gonna be really good out in that offense and that in that conference with the, the defenses he plays he, he, he can put up some serious numbers for sure I'm gonna give you my I'm gonna give you my sleeper team to make the, the final four playoff Texas not bad yeah I think I think Tom Herman's about ready he showed signs last year they thumped when well, they thumped Georgia in the bowl game. Yep. I mean, I know Georgia wasn't overly motivated, but they still thumped them. I think I think you got a you got a, a quarterback's in his third year now. Herman's in his third year now. They've recruited well. He's a good he is a really good game game day coach. I think keep your eye on Texas. If they can if they can beat Oklahoma, yeah. look out. Yeah, I agree with you. That's a good that's a good call. Definitely a good call. All right. Well, I appreciate uh, appreciate your time, Mike. Some very good information. Appreciate all the input, and uh, we'll definitely we're going to keep you in the in the mix on a regular basis on the podcast. But the uh, Powers on Sports podcast. Tell a friend, Mike. Tell some friends, man. We got to get the viewership up a little bit. You got a <laughs> comment? Send a comment to at kick the kick the FB on Twitter. You know, send us a comment. Let us know how we're doing. And uh, let us know. We'd love to hear from you, and, and we, share our, share the podcast with some with some people you know. And we and, promise, if you tweet us, that we will give you credit when we read it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you had a good little story off the air about one Jeff Francoeur not giving you any any love about a tweet he, uh, he plagiarized from you tonight. Complete plagiarism, just just straight. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I had this thought. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll give you credit here. That's right. <laughs> And we'll even and we'll even start giving you some some we'll even start giving you some picks as the games start getting near here. I'll give you some pewter picks every week. So uh, appreciate you listening. Enjoy it. Have a great week, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode on the Powers on Sports podcast.